I wonder how you would feel, do you think, if suddenly in the middle of this morning service, someone started shouting out loudly, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. We would probably all look a little anxious, me included, and perhaps hope that the sides people might take some action. To do what, I wonder? To sit beside them? To ask if they're okay? To perhaps offer them a drink of water? To encourage them to go out? What would you do? Occasionally such things happen in our churches and it's always a challenge to know how best to respond and with a pastoral heart as well. I hope our response would not be that in one Anglican church where it said a rather formal middle-class congregation was electrified in the middle of the sermon by a sudden shout of praise the Lord from a relatively new Christian member of the congregation. A stern-faced verger walked steadily down the aisle towards them, tapped the offender on the shoulder with their staff, and said, this is an Anglican church, we'll have no praising the Lord here. (laughs) Well, be that as it may. It must have been a pretty challenging and then pretty exhilarating experience to be alongside Bartimaeus in the crowd that day at Jericho, let alone being Bartimaeus himself. I've been reading John Hull's account of the story in his book, In the Beginning There Was Darkness, A Blind Person's Conversations with the Bible. It's a fascinating book as he engages with all the many different uh, passages in the scriptures about blindness. And John describes what it must have been like for Bartimaeus, with rumors of Jesus' healing powers no doubt circulating like wildfire among the community of the sick and the disabled. Perhaps the competition for places at the front of the crowd among those who had their habitual spots as beggars, the palpable excitement and tension of a gathering crowd, Bartimaeus trying with his probably acute sense of hearing to differentiate the different noises and footsteps, and perhaps always wondering if there's that telltale marching boots and horse hooves of a Roman garrison coming to sort out any disturbance. Jericho is not that far from Jerusalem. It's only about 20 miles or so. And we know that the Herod kings of Judea had their winter palace there at Jericho. It's a lovely uh, temperate oasis in the middle of the Judean desert. So Roman garrisons actually would have been part of the landscape, propping up the Herodian rulers. What does Bartimaeus actually know of Jesus? Perhaps his knowledge is little more than hearsay, we don't know. But he's heard enough that when from the noise of the crowd he senses that Jesus is drawing near and passing by, he takes all his courage in his hands and cries out for help. Have mercy on me. From a roadside beggar, that would normally be heard as a request for cash, a cry for a handout. But Bartimaeus says something more. Jesus, son of David, 
It's actually no wonder the crowd promptly tried to shut him up. We hear they sternly ordered him to be quiet. Why was that? Well, because by acclaiming Jesus as the son of David, they were publicly identifying Jesus as one in David's line, the longed-for Messiah King, the King of the Jews. And, of course, that was a highly dangerous thing to be claiming and acclaiming politically when you were on the back door of the winter residence of the Herods with Roman soldiers in the neighbourhood to boot. So the crown, uh, the crowd were suddenly very keen to uh, hush Bartimaeus up to push him to the back of the crowd. But he is persistent. He's desperate. He's willing to take that great risk, somehow sensing, recognising something of who Jesus is, of who Jesus can be for him and what he might do for him. And then three wonderfully moving words, I think, Jesus stood still. Challenging words, too, to me, who so often are moving pretty swiftly through this church or the parish office or the supermarket, trying to work out who people are under their masks. When is the moment to stop and to stand still, to open our eyes and ears to the person in front of us? And I love the way in which Bartimaeus' dogged persistence is answered by a threefold call to him. Jesus says, call him here. They call the blind man. Get up. He is calling you. He's being called. Notice, too, the way the crowd, uh, fickle as we so often are, uh, then change their tune from trying to shut Bartimaeus up to actually pushing him uh, encouraging him, get up, take heart, they say. And they pick up on Jesus' attention to the man. Isn't it interesting that once Jesus responds to him, then they actually notice him, perhaps for the first time, perhaps really see him as an individual, not just someone who's being a nuisance. Now he is one worthy of attention and of a second look. So Bartimaeus, and maybe he was helped, arrives in front of Jesus He's thrown back his cloak, the symbol of a beggar. And Jesus, interestingly enough, further honours him and shows him respect, dignifies him in not making an assumption about what he wanted, about what Jesus could do for him, about what is good for him. We might well make assumptions about what the first thing Bartimaeus might ask for, but Jesus doesn't. Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? That's a question Jesus asks quite often in the scriptures to those who come to him. And perhaps he's asking us that question too today. What do you want me to do for you? Here we are, come just as you are, just as Bartimaeus did. Bartimaeus' response is as direct as his initial approach to Jesus. My teacher, let me see again. Incidentally, Bartimaeus is the only one besides Mary Magdalene in the Gospels who's recorded as calling Jesus Rabunai, my teacher. My teacher. Bartimaeus is ready and open to receive new truth from this teacher to receive new life, 
to receive a new way forward. Jesus responds, go, your faith has made you well. Literally, go your way. Your faith has saved you, made you well, made you whole. That word sozo, to save, uh, it's a bit like shalom. It has a number of meanings of salvation in its wider sense, wholeness, wellness in body, mind, and spirit. And that seems to be the case for Bartimaeus. Jesus says, go your way. And we hear that he regained his sight and followed Jesus on the way. Code, as we know from the Gospels and Acts, for becoming a disciple of Jesus, following in the way of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Many have commented the story of Bartimaeus as also a parable of discipleship in the society of his time, that restoration of sight to Bartimaeus means that he moves from a place of being dependent on others to a place where he can make his own choices about his future. And he chooses to follow Jesus to become a disciple. So he moves too from a place of being on the margins of his community, perhaps pushed to the back of the crowd as a beggar, to a place where he's part of that new community of the body of Christ. And in fact, in Mark's gospel, he's the only one that Jesus healed for whom we have a name. So it seems very likely that he became part of the Christian community. Over these last few weeks, we've been hearing about how in these chapters of Mark, Jesus is continually trying to teach his disciples that the way ahead for him is going to involve suffering and death. That the way of discipleship is actually about serving and bearing crosses. And we've heard too that they just don't get it. In terms of today's story, they're blind to what Jesus is trying to teach them. They lack insight into Jesus' destiny. They cannot see that the way to Jerusalem is not a way of triumph, but a journey to the cross. The road from Jericho goes up to Jerusalem. Jericho is one of the lowest places on earth. And so that steep road rises and winds its way up to Jerusalem. And it does too for Jesus. And Bartimaeus will follow him. The disciples, the insiders we might call them, are arguing, you'll recall, about who's the greatest who will have the best spots in the coming kingdom of Jesus. And it takes someone who's an outsider, Bartimaeus, to have the insight that Jesus is great David's greater son. And he will bring salvation, not through an army, but through the mercy and compassion and healing of the cross. Been reflecting on all this as we move uh, this week into the season of All Saints Tide, uh, where we give thanks for all God's saints, and not just the saints of the stained glass windows that we see around us, but in New Testament terms, we are all the saints, the holy ones of God, the ones set apart through our baptism for God's service, and through a lifetime made holy by the Holy Spirit living within us and at work within us. 
So in this season, as we give thanks for all God's saints in this place, for all of you who give so freely of your time and talents and treasure in your daily lives in God's service, both here within these walls and then out there in our community and city. Perhaps a good focus for our prayer and to take away to reflect on today is that question that Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And then what is God calling me and us to as a community as we seek together to be disciples of Christ and to follow Jesus on the way at this time in this land? I want to conclude with the words of a, just a short little hymn that I came across, which is based on the story of Jesus healing the blind. Lord, we are blind. The world of sight is as a shadow in the dark, yet we have eyes. Lord, give us light that we may see. Lord, we are blind. The world around confuses us, although we see. In Christ, the pattern is refound. He sets us free. Lord, we are blind. Our sight, our life, by our own efforts cannot be. Breathe on our clay. Touch our eyes. Help us to see that we may serve thee. In Jesus' name, amen.